You know, every church has that one guy out there. As people are walking in during Christmas time, and he's out there in the church foyer yelling, Christmas trees are of the devil. They're pagan. You're bringing in Roman idolatry into this church. Well, I got news for you. Uh, The Christmas story in the Bible opens with a family tree. Yeah, it opens with Jesus' family tree. And we're going to talk to you today about the depths and the spiritual aspects of the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think you're really going to enjoy it. You know, there's all types of enemies out there, enemies of Christmas, in the church, outside of the church, all over the place. And uh, there's been a lot of stories written about these people. You have the Grinch, the Abominable Snowman, the Snow Queen, Jack Frost, uh, the Wet Bandits, Harry and Marv, uh, the Griswold relatives, even have King Herod in the Bible. And, of course, now we have these insane leftist hippies that are trying to destroy Christmas. Well, the Grinch's heart turned, and the abominable snowman, after he got his teeth pulled, his heart turned. You know, some of these enemies, they realize Christmas is special, and they buy into the whole thing. I'm going to go out on a limb and just tell you, and maybe I'll talk about this more in depth later on, but people who tend to be against Christmas trees, against, you know, Christian alternatives to Halloween, like trick-or-treating and stuff, trunk-or-treats, all of that. Uh, They forbid egg hunts on Easter, all of that. I have just noticed a pattern through the years. Those type of people come from dysfunctional families. They have, yeah, dysfunctional families. Because fall fests, Christmas trees, egg hunts are family-focused activities. It's about the family. It's not about a magical bunny. It's not about the Roman god Saturn or any of that, what all ever they say. I really think the real reason there is they're dysfunctional. They don't know how to operate as a dad. They don't know how to operate as a mom. They don't know how to operate as a son or daughter or aunt or an uncle. And so to just try to destroy all of the fun times that families can have, they try to create a false idea and a false enemy to try to destroy everybody's Christmas. And if you're that way, we love you. I'm sure you're welcome in your church, but you need to go have a terrible time all on your own. Yeah, go into your home and watch football. Wow, as if that ain't a pagan game. Oh, yeah. The Romans, they would sacrifice pigs. The Greeks, they would sacrifice pigs. Kick the carcass around for a game while all the cheerleaders danced and paraded themselves in the nude on the sidelines. Yeah, you don't think that stuff comes from anything pagan? I remember a guy telling me how pagan Christmas and Easter was, and I was in his house, and I looked around, and his wife had every Precious Moments doll and all other kinds of figurines in the house staring at me, which was really creepy, by the way. And this guy's going on and on about how evil Christmas trees are, and I'm looking at all these figurines, and I'm like, doesn't the Bible say something about uh, have no other idols, no other gods before me? What is all this idolatry, (laughs) you know, in the house? So if you're wanting to go the no pagan anything route, you're – you're, you're going to have a hard time. You're going to have a real hard time. But that's neither here nor there. And I'm not going to get into that because it's Christmas time. And I just want to have a good time on Christmas time. That's what little boys want to do. That's all we want. We just want to have a uh, good time. We received a lot of great positive feedback about uh, from our episode we did a few weeks ago, Thanksgiving Anxieties. 
And I, I had one guy say, you know, uh, Brother Gleason, uh, those, all those anxieties that you talked about, like uh, an uncle showing up to Thanksgiving dinner and all of a sudden uh, the uncle now wants to be called aunt. You know, he comes dressed as a woman. Yeah, things like that happen. He said, you know, I, back in the 90s, I would have thought, man, that stuff only appears on Jerry Springer. There's no way that would happen to a Christian family. But he said uh, times have changed. Jerry Springer, uh, that show, now exists in uh, families. So we're glad that episode was a blessing to you. Uh, no matter what, remain thankful. And anybody who has went uh, nuts and crazy, that's sitting at your holiday table. Don't let it drag you down. Keep your eyes and attention focused on the Lord and be thankful. Uh, but so we, we might have to cover something like that again uh, this Christmas season. Christmas tends to be a little bit more uh, bearable, I think, at times than Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving seems to be the holiday where all of the dysfunction kind of comes out for some reason uh, for families. I, I don't understand that, but uh, it is what it is. You know, it's probably linked to the book of Romans when Paul talks about uh, the past pagan generations. They were neither, uh, they never acknowledged God, nor were they thankful, and they became debased in their minds. So I just think the debased mind out there has a hard time uh, being thankful. Oh, this coffee is good. Yeah, our church does not have bad coffee. Oh, that's delicious. But yeah, what what are you worried about this Christmas? Are you worried about uh, uh, some weird guy showing up your, on your doorstep? He rings the doorbell 50 times before you finally open it, and he says, Hey, I'm your long-lost uncle. You and I have the same DNA, and me and my family are out here in our RV, and we'll be staying until next month. <laughs> you know... Your spit nowadays can unlock your past. And people are still doing this. You know, the 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 uh, companies that you send in your spit, your DNA, and they send a report back to you and they tell you where your ancestors came from. I mean, people are still into that. People are still buying these things for Christmas. And uh, I've had other family members do that, other relatives do that. And you know what? Uh, knowing our family heritage, these things that they're they're having uh, people spit in cups, spit on swabs or whatever, they're they're coming back pretty accurate. Uh, they're coming back very accurate, actually. But I know some people that that have done this, and uh, they found their long lost biological father. This happened to a preacher friend of mine. Uh, found his father who he had never met, and he shows up and he looks at his father. The father looks at the son, and they look exactly alike. They have the same tone of voice, and it's and uh, it's just amazing. And uh, this preacher that I'm, I'm talking about was able to uh, give his uh, give the gospel to his father. So you know, uh, you know, finding out your DNA, finding out your ancestry, has a way sometimes of uh, opening the door to find uh, relatives that you really want to meet and really want to see. But then there's uh, the flip side of that coin, the darker portion of it. That and it's made a lot of people apprehensive. I don't want to be sharing my DNA. What what if I'm related to a a uh, criminal? What if I'm related to a thief? What if I'm a distant relative to Al Capone, or a, a Ted Bundy? You know what what it you know all of these what ifs and it's got people uh, with a lot of anxiety <laughs> a lot of anxiety about this and you know that's uh, that is very understandable. Uh, we totally understand that. We totally get that. But we're going to talk about the family tree of Jesus. Don't worry. It's safe. It's a family tree that you want to be connected to. 
You're here to listen. I'm here to talk. This is Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, a God, Bible, and Church podcast that is proudly made here in the United States of America. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. Check your episode notes how you can contact me and follow me on social media. Podcasting is the future. Do you feel like you need guidance? Do you feel like you need support? I recommend you contact Yes Life Matters at 913-378-8794. Yes Life Matters offers counseling, assistance in resolving issues and conflicts, guidance through healing and forgiveness, life coaching, counseling for blended families, grief counseling and support after a loss, financial consulting and mentoring. The holidays tend to bring out discouragement, depression, and dysfunction. Don't turn to drugs. Don't turn to alcohol. Don't turn to porn, sexual immorality, or suicide this holiday season. Contact Yes Life Matters, 913-378-8794, and tell them SSWJG sent you, and get the real faith-based help that you deserve. The uh, stats for the month of November. We took a break last week. We're glad to be back here on Spirit Signal. It's nice to rest. It's nice to relax. But I I tell you what, I really missed you all. But I wanted to spend as much time as possible that I could with my friends and family, and we had a delightful time. But I want to share with you, coming in, uh, listenership all throughout the world, outside of North America, coming in at number one is the United Kingdom. God save the Queen. And coming at number two, Ireland. Gleason is an Irish name. Long live the Irish. For over here in North America, up in Canada, coming in at number one, Ontario. Number two, British Columbia. I love, love Canada. Thank you so much for your listenership. Several months ago, Canada just popped just out of nowhere. Just boom, listeners everywhere. So congratulations, Ontario. You and British Columbia are always fighting for the number one spot in your listenership to Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. Down here into my homeland, the United States of America, the top ten, beginning with number one. I can't believe it. Missouri has been dethroned by the state of, drumroll please, the state of Illinois has come in number one for listenership in the month of November 2020. Congratulations, Illinois. Thank you so much. Number two, my home state is Missouri. Number three, California. Then Texas, Georgia. Georgia, wow. And then out of nowhere, Maryland. I don't know where that came from, but I got a text from somebody that says, uh, 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 Pastor David Wright. Uh, This information may be inaccurate, but I'm just telling you what I heard. Pastor Wright, you got to confirm this, but Pastor David Wright has heard some Spirit Signal episodes, especially the stuff on dating and healthy relationships, and he has recommended that his youth and hyphen listen to that episode. So uh, thank you so much to whoever's referring this podcast out in Maryland. We appreciate it. And then uh, Pennsylvania, Kansas, Florida, and Virginia, congratulations on making it to the top 10. And you know, these aren't really huge margins of listenership. I'm, I, I get listened to in every state in the, here in the U.S. every month. Thank you so much, America, for getting the spirit signal and referring it to your friends. I really don't like to give numbers because uh, I, 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 
I feel like people start throwing javelins when you do that. You're like, you're like, uh, uh, cursed if you do. You're cursed if you don't. But I want to go ahead and give these these uh, actual numbers to you. In the month of November, we hit twenty thousand downloads, and I mean, my email was blowing up from my podcast host. Congratulations, twenty thousand. I guess that is a big deal. And we've only produced forty-four total episodes. So you can do the math on the overall listenership. Uh, for this year, we we began this podcast this year. I thought it would go terrible. I thought it was a bad timing, but then, bam, a pandemic hit, and uh, all of a sudden, it just just exploded. So we thank you so much, everybody who has been with us uh, since the beginning of this. We appreciate it. I love the emails. I love the direct messages, uh, the text message from my personal friends, and how much Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason. Uh, has meant to you. So we're uh, we're going to keep this going. We're going to be here for you during this uh, Christmas and New Year's season. we got a lot of great content uh, that we want to give you. I want to say a special thank you to all of those out there that listen on Apple Podcasts for taking the time to leave us reviews. Reviews are huge. Reviews do so much uh, to boost the publicity of this podcast. Thank you, Piano Man 324 He says, I love Spirit Signal. I have recommended and shared episodes with my friends and family. Listen and be edified. BC Boland says, I never listened to podcasts before, but I started listening to this one, and I really enjoy it. SSWJG is positive, informative, interesting, and has funny comments. Keep up the good work. Sister Rachel Lavender, hello. She says the interview with Jamin Hart, the interview with Jamin Hart, all I can say is wow, wow, wow. What an amazing testimony. This is a must-listen-to episode. Uh, yeah, that was really fun to do. Uh, Sister Jamin, she is a, a uh, recording artist, a songwriter, and she recently published a book uh, entitled Still, Still Gonna Praise You. You need to get that book. Fantastic book. It's a great conversation. Go back into our audio library and listen to that and be blessed. Thank you, Sister Rachel, for that review. And then uh, uh, Hagen Lee left us a great review saying, I love this podcast. I've been listening daily while I'm working. Great content with firm biblical foundations. We need more apostolic podcast. I couldn't agree with you more, Hagen Lee. You know what, Hagen? You need to start your own podcast. Yes, I want to see it. Uh, Live free with Hagen Lee. Be freed from your worries and sin with Hagen Lee. I don't know, something like that. But go for it, my friend. And when you create a podcast, be sure to contact me and let me know, and I'll be sure to subscribe. You know, when I set out to do this podcast, I, you know, podcasting to me is a solidarity enjoyment. I only listen to it by myself. I don't listen to it with my family. I don't listen to it with my friends. It's just me, my phone, and my headphones. And I listen, and I get work done. I get work done. And but uh, I'm getting reviews, I'm getting responses, and I'm getting just uh, overall uh, contacted by our listeners saying, "Hey, me and my husband, or me and my wife, me and my kids listen to SSWJG, and we love it. We find ourselves uh, talking like you and saying things that you would say, and that that has blown my mind that families listen to this show. Matter of fact, there were families that contacted me saying, "Hey." We listened to your episode about Thanksgiving anxieties while going while driving to see our relatives, and it and it kind of helped us take the edge off a little bit. That is such a a nice compliment. So uh, it's actually motivated to uh, make sure we keep 
uh, our content as family appropriate as possible. Now, of, of course, this is family appropriate, but uh, some of the things we may say may not always be appropriate, maybe for a seven-year-old to hear. So, uh, <laughs> parents, uh, keep that in mind. But uh, we thank you so much for your loyal listenership and referring to what we have to say to our family and friends. Let's get to it. The Jesus Family Christmas Tree. The Jesus Family Christmas Tree. You look in the Gospel of Matthew, it opens up with a genealogy. A lot of people, when they talk to me about reading the Bible, they say, I'm reading it, and then all of a sudden I get lost in those genealogies, all of the begats, the begats, the begats, and it's like they just put down their Bible and just check out. You know, there, you know Jesus said that the Word of God will never pass away, not even a jot or tittle, meaning not even the punctuation. And if the punctuation it will not pass away, then neither will those names. Those names are important. Those names you need to read. If you got to skip over it, then I guess you skip over it. But I like to read those names, especially the genealogy of Jesus, because prophecy is fulfilled in that. And then also you look at the imperfections that come into play in that family tree. And there's a deep message into that. And I want to begin by showing you something that I caught several years ago that I want to give to you. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 17, it talks about the 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 generations from David to, to the captivity, 14 generations from the captivity to Jesus. And I was reading some rabbinical commentaries on this, and I discovered something really interesting. When God set up the luminaries in the heavens in, in, in the creation story of Genesis, the sun, moon, and stars, and planets, all of that was not just meant to be beautiful. The Bible says in Genesis 1 that these things in the heavens were meant to be for signs and seasons. Signs and seasons. And you look throughout history, anytime before there's a great war, there's usually a comet in the sky. Anytime there's some type of destruction, there's like a solar, a lunar eclipse, or something like that, you know. Remember earlier this year, Comet Neowise uh, was, was seen all over the place except here in Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, Comet Neowise came, you know, during the time of uh, pandemic and all, all of those race riots. I remember going outside and looking up in the sky thinking, whoa, it's Neowise. And then, oh, no, it was a plane passing through. So uh, for all of you that got to see Neowise, I am so jealous. It was a beautiful comet. But one thing that is common that the Lord uses as a sign in the sky is the moon. It is the moon. Yep, it is the moon. You think about this, the moon phases, the moon cycles. Starting with a new moon to a full moon, it will wax for 14 and a half days. And then from a full moon down to a new moon, it wanes 14 and a half days. And you read there in Matthew 1 and 17, from the time of Abraham to David is 14 generations. Abraham set out to fulfill the promise and the word of God with nothing. And then 14 generations later, 14 generations of his descendants to David, you look at David, Solomon, all that time period, it is the fullness of Israel. As it were, Abraham to David is like a moon cycle. From a new moon from nothing to a full moon, 14 days, and here 14 generations from Abraham to David, nothing to fullness. That is really interesting. God said, I use those, these things in the heavens to be a sign for you, a season for you. 
But then you look at from David to the captivity, those 14 generations, Israel goes from fullness to power uh, to, to greatness down to absolutely nothing in the captivity, fullness to nothing. And then from the captivity to Jesus, that's 14 generations. You look at that, it goes from nothing to the complete fullness and power. The Bible later says that with Jesus, there is no shadow of turning. There is no variableness, meaning it is always high noon with God. Jesus Christ is the completeness, the fulfillment of prophecy. He came to establish and fulfill all things. So as it were, ever since Jesus, and here we are over 2,000 years later, it is still fullness. It is still greatness. It is still completeness. And you and I will never, never again have to experience the kingdom of God being waned. But the glory of God, the manifestation of God, still exists in our hearts through his church. Amen. This church cannot be taken down. I don't care what they're saying about COVID-19. I don't care what legislation is being passed. For our Lord promised that even the gates of hell itself, it will not prevail against the church. And if hell can't take us down, then COVID can't take us down. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. Amen. The plan of God is fulfilled. It is full. Amen. It'll never wane. It's waxed as great as it can ever be. And it's going to remain that way until the Lord returns to us. Praise God. You look at Matthew's genealogy and you compare it to Luke's genealogy of Jesus. It is actually different. And some have looked at it and said, oh, there's a Bible contradiction. Ah, since it's a contradiction, it cannot be trusted. Mm -hmm. Well, if you look at it on the surface, I suppose you can think that. The Bible is deep, and it was written a long time ago. It was written in uh, the language of certain cultures that are different than us, with different ideas than us, and you can't just take that on the surface. But when you look at it, you find out there's actually no contradictions, but actually deep meanings into why these genealogies are different. So I'm not going to read the entire genealogy for you. You'll have to go back on your own. But if you look after David... In Matthew's gospel, it then, be, it then has Solomon, and it goes down the family line. But then you look at Luke. After David, it doesn't mention Solomon. Next, it mentions Nathan. And some have looked at that and said, oh, it's a contradiction. No, it's not. And I'm going I'm to explain to you why. You look at Matthew's genealogy of, of the Lord's family Christmas tree. Matthew goes back to Abraham, and he uses the terms begat, begat, begat. Not the son of, but he uses the term begat. That's very important. But then you look at both of the genealogies. They do parallel each other from Abraham to David. Matthew from David gives the paternal line starting with Solomon. Then Matthew and Luke both come together at the marriage of Joseph and Mary. Thus making, according to Christian tradition, Joseph the last of the paternal line. And then Mary the last of the maternal line, okay? All right, we'll get to that here in a minute, but I want to point out something that I think is very neat and very special about the family trees. You know, you look at family trees from, like, uh, the the family monarchies of, of the United Kingdom, Ireland, France, all of that, 
there's usually only names mentioned of men. Yes, some of them have queens here and there, but it's usually the name of men. And a lot of times they will skip over uh, kings or queens or whoever in the family tree that was considered a disgrace. <laughs> they leave it out of there. They only want the great names. But here in this lineage, you have the names of four women. You have the names of four Gentile women, three of which who were actually very sinful. It mentions Tamar. She was a Gentile. She was a widow who committed incest with her father-in-law to get pregnant. Yeah, that's in, fa in Jesus' family Christmas tree. You have Rahab, who was a Canaanite ritual, a sinful prostitute who committed uh, pagan rituals. I, we're going to leave it at that. A, a very sinful woman. She's in there. You have Ruth in there, a Moabitess. You have Bathsheba. Ooh. She committed adultery. She committed adultery with the king. I mean, that stuff is in the family tree right there. Bam. That's how the New Testament opens up. Here is Messiah. His great, 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 great grandmothers. Uh, <laughs> ritual prostitutes. Uh, some had incestuous relationships. And some uh, committed adultery. Right here. There you go. Welcome to earth, Jesus. And I think what Matthew is trying to show here is that you don't have to come from something perfect to be great. But rather, it's God showing that, hey, even my own flesh, even my own body, that I'm going to walk among you. I'm going to show you just how normal I can really be in that my family history is not perfect. And look at what I can accomplish. And so it can be for you. You don't have the best parents. You don't have the best grandparents. You don't come from greatness. But if you will, you will obey me, follow me. I'll make your name great. It's just like Abraham. I mean, you read later on in the Abrahamic story, uh, when you look at Laban, uh, coming from Ur of the Chaldeans, how pagan they were, how sinister they were. Abraham did not come from a good family. But God said, I'm bringing you out of this to give you a great name, to give you land, to give you great descendants. And that's the message there. And we need to know this during Christmas time that, hey, maybe my family is not perfect, but neither was Jesus. And if Jesus can make it, so can I. Praise God. So back to the uh, some of the inconsistencies that you have in some of the family lineages between Matthew and the book of Luke. Matthew does something interesting. He he gives the names of the genealogies found in 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 First Chronicles. But you've got to understand Bible prophecy and some of your history. Messiah had to come from the line of David. God gave David a promise that a descendant of his seed would always remain on the throne. Yes. But then you read in uh, Old Testament history, a descendant of David, one of the kings of Israel named Jeconiah, had a curse pronounced upon him. Jeremiah pronounced this curse. You can read about it in Jeremiah 22. It says, As I live, says the Lord, though Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee thence, 
And I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life, and into the hand of them whose face you fear, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will cast you out, and your mother that, that bore you, into another country, where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land whereunto they desire to return, they shall not return. Is this man Jeconiah? despised and a broken idol? Is he a vessel that I have no pleasure in? Wherefore he is cast out and his seed. And they are cast into a land which they knew not. O earth, earth, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write it on this man. He shall be childless. This man shall not prosper in his days. For no man of his seed shall prosper sitting on the throne of David, nor ruling my people or Judah anymore. You see, that is a prophecy spoken of Jeconiah saying his seed would not remain on the throne. So if his seed can't remain on the throne, then Jeconiah's seed could not be Messiah because Messiah would sit on the throne. Messiah would be king. So there is a prophecy against a member of the lineage of David, meaning that if you look in Matthew's genealogy, who do you see in there? You see Jeconiah. And who do you see at the end of this genealogy? You see Joseph. Joseph, the man who was going to become married to the Virgin Mary. Therefore, what Matthew is showing us is that Joseph's lineage cannot produce the Messiah because Joseph is a direct descendant of the wicked king Jeconiah, who Jeremiah prophesied against saying, your seed would not be Messiah. So there you have it. Joseph's family line is cursed, meaning Joseph could never be Messiah, nor any of his children becoming Messiah. And that is how Matthew opens up his gospel with the lineage of Jesus Christ, the imperfections of it, putting women in it, which was forbidden. They didn't put women in their family lineage, but Matthew shows this. He shows that women are in it. He shows that sinful women are in it. And he shows wicked, a wicked king who has a curse upon him and all kinds of other things. That is how Matthew opens up his gospel with the Christmas story, the imperfections of Messiah. Yeah, Matthew is very clear here. He shows that Jesus, the Messiah, he is not Joseph's biological son. He's Messiah, therefore he could not be Joseph's son because Jesus is king, Jesus is Messiah. But Joseph could never have a son that could be king. Joseph could never have a son that could be Messiah, meaning Jesus had no biological connection to Joseph. He was, as it were, an adopted son. He was an adopted son, okay? But then you read over into Luke's genealogy. Luke doesn't just go back to Abraham, but he goes back to Adam. And he doesn't use the term begat, Begat. He uses the term son, meaning 
what he is about to show you here is actual family connections, family relations. Okay? Now, again, both of these genealogies from Matthew to Luke, they do parallel each other from Abraham to David. Then after that, they're different. They're different. Luke gives the maternal line starting from Nathan, Solomon's brother. And according to Christian tradition, Matthew follows the genealogy of Joseph, but Luke follows the genealogy of Mary. Luke's genealogy is the family tree of Mary, who Mary's father was, grandfather, great-great-grandfather, all of that. It is her uh, biblical lineage. Yeah. Luke follows the tradition in his lineage by not mentioning any women, by not mentioning any women. And you notice this, he does not skip any names. He goes right down the line. Joseph, Mary's fiance at the time, is said to be the son of Heli. Okay? Said to be his son. The Hebrew word for son, which is the word ben, yes, it does mean like a first generation offspring. But there is also, the, the English, you know, has a tons of words to, men, to, to communicate one idea. Hebrew really doesn't do that. It's a much more simpler language than ours. Son can mean, yes, a, a, a first-generation offspring. It could also mean a sense of a descendant, a sense of a descendant, not so much a biological son, but a, a distant descendant. It could also mean a grandson or a remote grandson, this is why Matthew uses the term begat to have some flexible applications in his genealogy. But you look at Jewish history, and they do this to this day. They don't have the term son-in-law. They just simply use the term son. So even though Joseph is the son-in-law of Heli, Heli would never introduce him as my son-in-law. He would just simply say, he is now my son because he is married to my daughter. That makes him my family. That makes him my son. Uh, you look in Deuteronomy 25. According to the law of Moses, a deceased man uh, could have a son that could come through uh, a surrogate father who legally married a widow, and the birth of that child could be his son, not having no connection. So the, Jew, the Jews didn't have a concept even of a, of a son-in-law or even a stepson. But whenever somebody came into their household, their family, legally they took on the relationship of father and son. Just like Jesus and Joseph, even though Joseph, his seed did not birth Jesus, did not birth Messiah, Jesus is still, by Jewish law, Joseph's son. So he lied who is the name of Mary's father, because of Joseph and Mary's marriage, Joseph is now a son of Heli. Okay? So go back to prophecy. Prophecy shows, again, that Messiah would be a son of David. You had to have it, a son of David. Whenever Gabriel comes, does he go to Joseph? No. He goes to Mary. And says the Holy Ghost will move upon you. The Holy Ghost will move upon you. That's very important. It doesn't say the Holy Ghost would move upon Joseph, but rather the Holy Ghost would move upon Mary. Joseph did not know Mary, did not have marital relations with her until after 
Jesus' birth. So Jesus had no blood relationship to Joseph or his cursed lineage because he's a descendant of Jeconiah. But rather, the Holy Spirit moved upon Mary, and the angel said, that which is conceived in you is of the Holy Ghost. So yes, yes, there was conception there. It wasn't like the Holy Ghost just implanted a divine zygote into Mary. Oh, no. Messiah had the DNA of his mother, Mary. He came through her seed. He came through the blood of his own mother. Okay? Then after Joseph and Mary got got married, Joseph became the legal father of Jesus, and nobody was, was the wiser, I guess. All right? These things are deep, and even they're hard to even explain, and you might have to go back and, and listen to this and read along with your Bible. But if you can understand anything, understand this. Jesus did not biologically come from Joseph. He biologically came through the Holy Ghost. He was birthed of the Holy Ghost, which is why over and over he taught, I am not of this world. I came from heaven. My Father is heavenly. My existence came from heaven. All right? But he also came into this world through his mother, Mary, her DNA, her seed. And it makes sense because it fulfills the very first prophecy about Messiah in the book of Genesis 3.15. God says uh, uh, to Adam and Eve, to the serpent, the seed, not of this man, but the seed of the woman would bruise your head. Ah, Messiah would not be birthed through the seed of a man, the seed of a human man, but rather the seed of a woman. This is where Luke really emphasizes this in using the genealogy of Mary, showing that Messiah came through the seed of a woman, thus fulfilling Genesis 3.15. All right? You take a look at Isaiah's prophecy, Isaiah chapter 7. Does it say uh, a young bachelor uh, shall conceive a child? Oh, no. It says a virgin girl will conceive. So this and other prophecies show us that Messiah would not come, his existence would not be biologically through a man and emphasize his father's lineage on his father's side. Oh, no. It would not come through the blood of a human father, but rather the seed of a woman, the blood of his mother. Amen. Praise God. So these two scriptures show it along with others. Jesus Christ came through Mary to fulfill prophecy, being the seed of a woman and the virgin that would miraculously conceive. Praise God. Even look at just the literacy, the writing style of Matthew and and Luke here. Look at Matthew. Who does Matthew focus more on, Joseph or Mary? (laughs) He focuses on Joseph. He focuses on the angel appearing to him in dreams. Fear not to take, take Mary to be your wife. It's all about Joseph. It's all about his lineage. But then you look at Luke. Who does he focus on more, Joseph or Mary? It's Mary. He focuses on Mary. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. Luke presents Jesus as the Savior to all mankind. In the Gospel of Matthew, Joseph and his lineage, Jeconiah, all that we're talking about, Joseph plays the active role in Matthew. But in Luke, 
Mary plays more of the, or in Matthew, Mary plays more of the passive role. You know, uh, it, then it's reversed. And in, in Matthew, you got angels appearing to Joseph. Then in Luke, you got the angels appearing to Mary. And Luke records Mary's thoughts. It records Mary's song. It records Mary going to visit Elizabeth. So you just have it there in the writing. Matthew focuses on Joseph. Luke focuses on Mary, not only with the dreams, not only who the angels appear to, not only the dialogue that they have, but also the genealogy to fulfill prophecy. Joseph's lineage was cursed because of Jeconiah. Therefore, Messiah could not come through his lineage. But Mary, there was no curse upon her family tree at all. And Luke shows this all the way from Mary to her father Heli, surpassing uh, all, all, all of the, the wicked kings all through that, all up into Solomon, to Abraham, even up into Adam. She came from the seed of that woman to fulfill prophecy. Praise God. But the story just in, in there in those genealogies, you read John's gospel. He doesn't really give the genealogies of where Jesus came from, but rather the genealogy of Jesus' descendants. Oh, yes. John has his own version of the Christmas story. Not what the son of, not what the begats, but he says this. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John doesn't focus on the past in Jesus' family tree, but the future. The future. His sons and his daughters. The real Christmas tree it's not so much the beautiful evergreen that you have in your living room with all of the beautiful presents and nicely decorated. I love that. I love that Christmas trees are special to me. But the most special part of it all this is our spiritual inheritance. Our spiritual family connection to Jesus. He is our father that brought us into spiritual existence. That's right. You see, in this world, you can't come here through alien pods. Oh, no. You have to be born into this world to exist through your father and your mother. And so it is in the kingdom of heaven. You and I can't get into a rocket ship and fly all around in outer space and somehow magically appear in heaven. Oh, no. You have to be born into this kingdom. And how are you born? You are born into it through the heavenly father. And some would say the earthly church mother. That's how you come into existence into this kingdom. You and I are now a part of the family tree of Jesus. There's no gap between you and Jesus, even though we're here 2,000 years later. Oh, no. Right underneath the name Jesus is just one line and an innumerable amount of descendants, spiritual sons from him. That is what you and I belong to. So yeah, maybe your family tree isn't perfect, 
It may not be exactly what you are proud of here on this earth. But spiritually, all of us are connected to Jesus. That's why we call each other brother and sisters in church. Because we are all siblings under one father, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the power of the spiritual family tree. Praise God. That's why we got something to be merry about and happy about this Christmas. Jesus was born, and through his name, his blood, his word, the message of salvation, we have become born of him, connected into the family tree. I'm reading in, in, uh, in the media that people are saying this Christmas, more people are excited about Christmas than ever before. I mean, for you know, for a long time there, we couldn't say Merry Merry Christmas. You know what I'm talking about? The years uh, 2008 to 2016, it was like a crime to say Merry Christmas. But oh, they were encouraging uh, Happy Kwanzaa or whatever. Now, Merry Merry Christmas is a good phrase to say, and I I still say it. I don't care what people think. I still say it because you know what? In saying Merry Christmas. You know, it's not the trees and the Santa and the reindeer and the elves and all of that. But rather what you are saying is, be happy, Christ is born. Be happy, the world now has uh, the ability to be saved. Be happy, you can now go to heaven. Messiah has come. That is why we wish blessings. That's why we wish joy. That's why we wish people to be merry, because Jesus Christ has come. It's a great thing to say. You're actually preaching the gospel message when you say Merry Christmas. But like I said in the opening here, there are so many enemies out there, enemies of Christmas, enemies of the church, and the left is trying to do everything it can to shut it down across the world in this country and especially in the state of California. Uh, Reading to you a news article here entitled God Speaks, Calvary Pastor Rob McCoy Makes Himself Essential. CitizensJournal.us reporting, Deborah Tash and Michael Hernandez report this, that Pastor McCoy removed his tie to music before beginning his church sermon so his church can become a strip club, which is deemed essential by California Governor or Governor Gavin Newsom. You know, when I first read this, I thought, oh, no, ugh. Another trick by the submerging church to be relevant to reach this world. It wasn't bad enough that now pastors have nose rings. It wasn't bad enough that they wear high-heeled shoes and tight pants and sit on a stool and paint weird paintings and call it the gospel. But, oh, now they're starting to strip it. It took my mind back to 2007 at NAYC at the disastrous fashion show. You remember that? But here it's a new generation and a new time. And you have Governor Gavin Newsense. He is driving pastors and churches insane to do these type of things. I I mean, this, I mean, you look in the Bible, the, the same type of situation happened. Well, in a way you look at Isaiah God said, go walk through the land nude. Go walk with your buttocks exposed as a sign of the future judgment that would come upon the land. And you see here these California hippies 
these leftists would rather people uh, go to strip clubs than church. That's right. Strip clubs are essential. They would rather people during a pandemic as a way to take the edge off, as a way to have peace of mind in this holiday season, to go and view the strippers, not the scriptures. They would rather people be enticed by a stripper pole and not the joy of the North Pole. It has come down to this. And that is why this pastor, who I think Rob McCoy is a nice man, we're probably worlds apart doctrinally, he's getting up there with the Bible and trying to preach some good news to people during this time, but California is saying, no, you can't do that. Go to the strip clubs. Find peace and solidarity. Find joy. Find happiness in the strip club. Yeah, the strip club is happy. That's a great place to bring your family on Sunday morning. Go to the strip club. Have a little glass of this. Watch this. Do this. That's what it's come down to. That is the message of the left, that if you're suffering, that if you're in pain, that if you're suicidal, that if you have depression, don't run to the Savior, run to the strip club. You need some porn. You need some pleasure. You need some candy. Porn here, porn there, everywhere. Porn, porn. Don't pursue peace. Don't pursue the presence of God. Pursue porn. Pursue adultery. Pursue fornication. That's how you feel good. That's how you live. That is the message that's coming out of the sewer pipe called Hollywood. Porn, 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 porn. I'm sorry, I can't take the phone call right now. That is the message of this. And it's sickening. It is absolutely sickening. But pastors are starting to rear back and rise up and saying, okay, we'll play along, we'll make our church essential, and we'll act like a strip club just a little bit. I think he just took his tie and his coat off. And you know what? The whole church fell out. Now, 10, 15 years ago, I would have said, oh, my God, you can't do that in church. That's evil. But nowadays, you know what? A good laugh like that is helpful. And it's kind of sticking it to him. all right? We can do a little bit of that in church and move on. If that is what we have to do to become essential, then so be it. It's like Paul saying, I became all things to all men that I may save some. Now, I don't plan on doing that. Thankfully, over here in our restrictions, uh, we're able to gather. You know, we got to do the mask and, and, and spray hand sanitizer and all of that. But California... You know, do whatever your bishop is telling you. Do whatever your pastor is doing. But I thank God for people like Bishop Art Hodges and Pastor Amado Huizar who are doing everything they can to stand up for liberty, to fight back against the insanity of the left. Because we realized it a long time ago that porn ain't going to save you and shacking up ain't going to save you. A stripper pole is not going to save you. But it's only... What we teach and preach during this Christmas season, it is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who can save you. It is only his peace that can heal your mind. It is only his joy that can give you satisfaction. 
It's not in the porn. It's not in the drugs. It's not in the immorality. But it is in the righteousness of God. That's why we say Merry Christmas. And I don't know what the future holds. It is anybody's best guess. Who knows what we're going to end up having to do? You know, all of these things are foreign to us. I know this story is silly, and it kind of is at first, but there's a serious part of this, and it is showing the desperation of what churches are going to have to do to try to remain open, to try to survive without unlawful persecution. We had a missionary at our church this past weekend, and I can't even say his name. I can't even give his name for security purposes because of militant Islam. Yeah, the supposed religion of peace. You know what it is? The religion of peace is, is what it is. He's a missionary to Africa. And his city, his village is being overtaken by Muslims. They're coming in not to convert, but coming in to kill. And they had a lady come into their church dressed in a full-blown Muslim burqa. And this missionary said, as I saw her walked in, he sought I'm about to get blown up. My wife is about to get blown up. My children and my grandchildren are about to be blown to pieces. My entire church is about to go up in flames because this woman has a bomb underneath her burqa. I mean, he thought, this is it. I mean, they're, they're in the middle of praising and worshiping the Lord on Sunday morning, and this Islamic woman comes in with a burqa. And he thought, it's a bomb. It's a suicide bomb. Here it is. Here we go. In Jesus' name, I commend my spirit. But he saw as that woman pulled the face mask off, pulled the hood off, took off that disgusting black garment, and underneath it was a beautiful dress that an apostolic woman would wear there in that part of the world. And she raised her hands and began to cry and to thank God. And the pastor's like, oh, my God, I'm alive. (laughs) My family's alive. She didn't come to blow us up. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And he went back there and talked to her. Come to find out she is married to an Islamic extremist, a soldier. She comes from a militant Islamic family, comes not far from that village. And she said, I've got the revelation of who Jesus is. And as a disguise for my own protection, I dress as a Muslim woman, woman but I wanted to come here and look like an apostolic woman and praise the Lord. And that woman is still into that church to this day. I mean, mean, you think about that, what the church is having to do just to blend in, what the church is having to do just to survive. If the pastor's got to get up and take off their coat and tie and act like a stripper to stay open, I say do it and, and, and stop there. Okay, kick your shoes off if need be. We'll stop there. We still believe in holiness and modesty. You got to dress like a Muslim to get to the church just to be safe. By all means, you got to do it. We are in a state of emergency as a church. That's why a lot of us, we can't wait for Christmas to get here. What we've been through this spring, summer, and fall, I mean, we're, we're just like chomping at the bit to get the nativity scene out. We're chomping at the bit to wrap up a beautiful present for our child just to see our kids smile. 
Because it's been hard for children to be happy with masks on. It's been hard for children to be afraid to breathe air or touch a doorknob this year. I mean, it's, it's a difficult, hard time for us. You not only have this virus that came out of China, what I think is really behind that, the spirit that is in China, that red dragon, it's trying to get all throughout the world. China is known for sickness and disease. Why do you think they've been wearing masks for years? It's because they're used to disease. Why do you think their culture is so dark? They don't hug. They don't shake hands. Why? It's because of pandemics. They've had it forever. You know, you look at their statues of their men. They've got their hands clasped in those robes. It's because they would never shake somebody else's hand. They shook their own hand because of fear of a disease. And a lot of those sickness and diseases is what brought in the socialism. And, of course, socialism fails. And when socialism fails, the only thing that can save it is communism. That's why China is communist. And the Antichrist has chosen that nation to try to lay a foundation for himself all over this world. That's why we got to fight back, America. We can't be like China. We've got to hinder the beast, this man of sin, Hinder him as long as we can until the church is taken out. We've got to do everything that we can. And the only hope for this world is the local church. So you know what? If you're staying home to watch services, God bless you. If you're one of these type of people that, yeah, you're staying home, but then you're going to the mall, you're going to the restaurant, you're going to games, you're going to this and that, but you won't go to church, Mark it down. God is not pleased with that. Yeah, you may not be going to church, but having all kinds of church people over to your house, having whoever over to your house, but you won't get up and go to church, that is a major inconsistency. If your church doors are open and you're healthy and you're well and you're not a high risk, you need to be in church. Put your mask on. Strap a hand sanitizer bottle to your belt. You know, shout out to people. Don't touch me. Stay away. Do whatever you can to be in church. You got to do it. Because there's a lot of people right now that can't go to church. But down the road, the strip club is open and it's packed. You can't go to church, but down the road, there's parades for Joe Biden. No social distancing there. There is an agenda. There is an agenda. That's why we've got to make this Christmas as special as we can as a church and as a family, because we deserve a little bit of joy in this time and season. Thank you for listening to Spirit Signal. I'm Justin C. Gleason.